BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Friend of a Friend. It's your host, Olivia Perez. Who would have thought in a million years that I would be doing two back-to-back solo podcasts? Not me. I used to be so afraid of doing solo podcasts, but it's been such an incredible journey of just kind of self-reflection and a different kind of journaling process for me as well. So I love doing these now, especially these Ask Me Anythings. I think I'm going to start making them into a monthly series because the amount of questions that I've been getting are immense and I want to make sure I get to everybody. On that note, I just want to say a quick thank you because the questions have just become so personal and so thoughtful and specific to what it is that I do and how I can be of service to you guys. And that means a lot to me. So thank you to everybody who submitted them. I really appreciate it and for taking the time to think of these questions so that I can have this conversation with you. If your question does not get answered today, don't worry. I keep a master list of all the questions that come through for AMAs. So if they don't get answered today, maybe they'll roll over into the next episode. And if you really need it answered, please feel free to DM me. If it's like a burning question, like I want to quit my job or I want to buy these pair of shoes, whatever it is, just shoot me a DM and I'm super happy to be of service there. So let's get right into the questions. There were so many that were amazing based on career that I want to dive right into, but there were also a ton that asked about my new favorites, whether that's a beauty product favorite place to shop in LA, whatever it is. So I'm going to do those as kind of a lightning round towards the end of the episode. So stay tuned for those and get ready to take some notes. First question that came in that I love, I feel like I will answer this question over and over and over again because it never gets old. It's so crucial to anything you do. But This is specifically for aspiring content creators. And the question is how to pitch brands as a content creator. Something that I've really been working on this year is the idea that If you are a freelancer and you work for yourself and you sell a product, which could be you or your skill set or your service, you have to constantly be in the state of mind of pitching. I would say that I send out a pitch at least once a week, whether it's for a Forbes story, a new guest on the podcast, uh, an opportunity I want to work on on Instagram, a travel opportunity. I am constantly in the mindset of pitching myself and putting myself out there. If you want to be a content creator, or again, if you're anybody who is working for themselves and selling a service, you always have to be putting yourself out there. The work isn't just going to come to you. While sometimes it might, because you might be really successful and things might come your way, I still think even at that point, you constantly have to be manifesting the work and putting it out there. One thing that's been really helpful for me in doing that is having a folder on my desk of every single pitch tool that I could possibly need. So a brand deck for me, a brand deck for friend of a friend, maybe a brand deck for travel content that I do and making sure those are always super readily available and updated. I actually have in my calendar 
on the 30th of every month while I also, you know, go through my expenses and do all the other lame stuff that I go to update my media kit. Making sure it's up to date, crucial. For example, I was just in Milan for Fashion Week. I was super busy. A very, very important client who I want to work with out of nowhere asked me for a media kit. And I was able to go to my desktop, send it to her right away. I knew it was updated. I didn't have to stress out while I was there. I didn't have to like leave where I was and be like, I need to go to my computer and edit this now. Making sure that your media kit is up to date with everything that you're working on and very representative of who you are in that moment is so important. But as a content creator, pitching for me has been king. It's been the way that I've met new people, new brands, and really put myself out there. And I think even the people who are, you know, I learned that really quickly this season. Even my friends who are, you know, fashion influencers who have millions of followers. This season, it was my first in Milan and I had never been. And as someone who built her career in New York, I was fortunate enough to be invited to a lot of shows in New York, but Milan wasn't my territory. And so, you know, I had lunch with a lot of my friends who are influencers in the industry, and they all looked at me and said, no matter what, you always have to still be pitching yourself. And that's what I did for Milan. I sent a bunch of DMs, emails. I was scouring the internet for any email that I could find from a brand that I wanted to work with. And it was an important reminder that no matter what, no matter how far along you are, no matter how successful you are, going back to that original pitch for yourself is always going to be so important. So many of the jobs and opportunities that I had in Milan were actually because I slid into the brand's DMs or I emailed them and I pitched myself. Because if you don't pitch yourself, if you don't advocate for yourself, no one else is going to do it for you. So constantly be pitching, have that kit updated. And then as far as the specificity of the pitch, that to me is king. I'm a content creator, but I have a lot of different mediums that I have to offer. I can go to a brand and say, hey, do you have a new launch? Maybe we can work together for social media content on Instagram. Did you just hire someone that's super interesting within the company and is doing something amazing for your business? And maybe the business is about to go through kind of a new revolution. Let's bring them on the podcast and talk about that. Is it a business-centered story? Maybe we can write about it for Forbes. And as one person that does all those things, only I'm able to offer that to a person. Only that brand can come to me and say, oh, let's work with her for a podcast episode and an Instagram post. You know, all of those things make me unique. And so making sure that I pitch to show that uniqueness is crucial. If you go to a brand, and you're like, hi, I'm a content creator. These are my followers on Instagram and I would love to work with you. I'm sure that they get dozens of those pitches every single day. So make it specific. Know who you're talking to. Do your research on the brand. Know, you know, maybe what they're working on right now. Go on their Instagram, see what just launched. Reach out to them and say, hey, I love this new bag that you just dropped. How can we work together to blow it up on my channels? And how can I use my channels to support what you're working on? So I think be as specific as you possibly can with that pitch. Know who you're talking to. No generic emails, please. Like do not copy paste to a bunch of people the same thing. Know who you're talking to and share what it is that you do in a way that is so unique that they can't go anywhere else to find it. If you're curious to hear about pitching a little bit more, listen to an episode that I just did with Megan Vaughn. She has a company called NVPR and she is a legend in the PR industry. She reps a ton of your favorite brands that you see on Instagram, like Meow, Lack of Color, Moon Boots. And she's a pro with marketing in today's world and how PR has just become so different. She's really at the helm of that and has been such a pioneer for so many of these brands in generating media sales and getting impressions in a new way. So check out that episode. She talks about what pitches she pays attention to and how she pitches other people to be able to see her brands as well. Definitely check that out. It was just a few weeks ago and it was a really good one. 
We'll be right back after a quick break. Did you know that naturally over half of women will experience hair thinning in their lifetime? And I'm one of them. I've actually always been very open with my hair journey. However, many people, especially women, don't know that and suffer in silence thinking they're alone in it. Nutrafol is looking to normalize female hair struggles through shedding the silence. I've had hair issues for as long as I can remember. As a kid, I was actually a ballerina and I suffered immense hair loss over those years from just constant styling, keeping it in a bun, and not having a good hair care routine. It deeply affected my self-esteem to the point that when I was in college and building my career, I got hair extensions. And from that moment on, my hair was an absolute mess. I never truly felt comfortable without them, but knew that I also wasn't being myself with them. To me, hair is so much more than just physical appearance. It shapes my relationship with myself from the inside out, defines my identity, self-image, and self-confidence. And female hair loss is a reality for millions of people, yet so many of us are reluctant to talk about it. It wasn't until I started talking about my hair loss that I actually felt the strength to get rid of the extensions and just be my natural self and get back to a good routine. And I want to do that for any of you listening. Hair shedding is absolutely normal and it's okay, but you don't have to suffer in silence. Let's talk about it. Share your story, share your successes, share your losses. You never know. Your story could help another woman that's going through the exact same thing. So join in on the conversation at shedthesilence.com. That's shedthesilence.com. We've been talking a lot about trends lately, and there is one place that I will go to to always make sure that I am on trend. It's Steve Madden. And breaking news, your favorite footwear brand for the past 30 years has just launched apparel, so now you can be on trend in a full collection. The entire collection is available to shop at stevemadden.com and retails for under $140. You can now get ready for any occasion and head-to-toe Steve Madden. They've got you covered from apparel to footwear, handbags, accessories, and so much more. And they're keeping it all on trend. You've got patchwork denim, bra, corsets, micro minis, mesh satin shine, cutouts, and so much more. Steve Madden is focusing on the memories that we create while we're getting ready and heading out with friends. Featuring a variety of snapshots and glimpses behind the curtain, the Madden team have documented this journey as an invitation for you to share how you wear your Steve Maddens. After all, each night out is an occasion to redefine yourself, and there is no better way to do that than decked out in Steve Madden from head to toe. I'm sure I'm not alone here when I'm saying that one of my favorite places to go in the mall was Steve Madden when I was in need of a very special look. Fall is all about the to the knee boots and skin tight booties, but in true Steve Madden fashion, they took the Western trend up a notch by incorporating vibrant pops of color alongside glitter and studs. And the brand's trademark platforms and Mary Janes are also to not be forgotten, taking on new heights in both dresses and casual categories. Use code FRIEND20 at checkout for 20% off your first purchase when you visit www.stevemadden.com. Use code FRIEND20 for 20% off your next purchase. The promo code excludes pre-order items. Next question. How to get over feeling like your voice or style is not unique enough to share? Wow, this one. I actually feel this way all the time. So I hope that you slightly maybe get over that feeling by knowing that you're not alone in it. That's really helpful for me is knowing that, you know, other people feel that way. It's not just me. But I mean, this is something that I feel like I get asked all the time. Imposter syndrome, you know, like how do we sit there and be like, oh, who on earth wants to see this Instagram post that I just put up? Who on earth wants to listen to this episode of me rambling for 30 minutes? This is something that I myself had to get over for a really long time was doing these solo episodes. And it was really actually amazing for me to do them because the first two ones, oh God, they were, oh, if it makes you feel any better, they were so miserable for me to do. It was like pulling teeth. I felt so awkward. 
I felt so insecure, so vulnerable, was just sitting in my house with my microphone recording my podcast. And it honestly just felt like who would want to listen to this? But I continued to do it. I kept at it. And now I'm here telling you guys that I'm doing back-to-back solo episodes. And it's one of the most gratifying parts of my career because after, and even before when you guys are submitting questions, so many of you reach back out to me and say, thank you for answering that question. Or, you know, hey, can you dive a little bit deeper into this? And while it's really scary in that beginning, the doing part of it, I feel like the reward of that connection with other people that you're going to meet on the internet, the other people that relate to your work is so much greater than the fear of actually doing it. So I totally relate. Even today, I was like putting up an Instagram and I was like, does anyone really care about this? But you know what? I care. And I'm sure you care too about whatever it is that you want to put out into the world. So if you care about it and it feels authentic to you, that's what people are going to gravitate towards. And I also think that it's really important if you are someone in that position, for me, moving past that hurdle of feeling like no one wants to hear from me, I've had to practice a lot of self-compassion, especially as a podcaster, especially on social media, who is constantly in the mental headspace of putting myself out there. And that can be really overwhelming for me sometimes. And it can definitely get me to this point of why would anybody want to listen to anything that I have to say? So I talked about this actually on last week's podcast, but something I've been doing at the end of my day is actually writing like a reverse to-do list. I'm a big to-do list person. So every morning, actually the night before, I'll write my to-do list for the next day just to have some mental clarity. But at the end of the day, I've actually been writing down everything that I accomplished that day. And I feel like that small act of compassion for myself and celebrating all those wins has helped me feel more in my place of who I am as a content creator and what I have to share with the world and how important the work that I do is to other people and to myself. So whatever that looks like for you, if you're having a hard time finding like the strength and courage to share what it is that you want to share with everybody, work on those little things that are moments where you celebrate the work that you do every day and realize it actually is special. Okay. This question I can't answer because I'm not there, but I have a bone to pick with it because three people asked it, which is so crazy in different ways. It was either how to get started in fashion if you're over 30 or how to get started in fashion later in life. And and I'm not over 30, so I can't sit in the position of, hey, this is how to get started after 30. But I'll give my advice as to what I'd love to see. But I also will say that, you know, 30 is just around the corner for me. And I'm going to wake up the day after I turn 30 and still probably post the same content and sit in my closet and talk to myself on the podcast. So I think 30 is just a number. I think people think of it as like a really crazy milestone. But I think that you can jump into this world at any age. I do think fashion, unfortunately, glamorizes youth and beauty, but I do think we're at this moment where we're seeing a really amazing change in that. I think we're seeing a way wider range of ages on the runways, which is really amazing. And even in campaigns, the recent Bottega Vedena campaign featured so many different women of different ages. And I think that that is an amazing thing to see. I think with social media right now, every person that's on there is of a different age and everyone needs a voice. Everyone needs someone to relate to on there. And just because you might be older in age or 30, which isn't even that old, I think that there's no time like the present. And I think letting your age stop you is is not the move. I think jump on there, show your style, show your beauty routine, create content that's unique to you. And at the end of the day, that's what people relate to and that's what people gravitate towards. So I would definitely say start there. I think that we are in need of more of that, honestly. I think, you know, some of my favorite people I follow are maybe between 30 and 50, who their experience is really different than mine. And I think that's really important. I think it's important to not just follow people your age. 
I think it's important to see different perspectives and different viewpoints. And so don't be discouraged by that. Dive right in. And I, I just think that there's opportunity. I say this with Instagram all the time. Instagram is like one massive dining table. Like there is room for everybody to eat, no matter your age, no matter what you look like. There's room for everybody to tell their story and to gain a community based off of people relating to you and your story. Okay. For everybody who is just starting out in the fashion industry, here's a good question. How to decide which part of the fashion industry is best for you. Maybe I want to write, style, or model. If you're just starting out in the beginning, I would say you have to be a sponge. You have to be like half sponge, half Laffy Taffy, where you can like stretch and bend to anything and be super flexible because that was actually what was most helpful for me when I was first starting out. I tried everything. My first job was at Teen Vogue. I was I was an assistant to the entertainment editor there. And that was a place that I never thought that I would be. I didn't want to do entertainment. I had just moved from LA to New York. Entertainment was like the last thing I wanted because I had completely escaped this and I wanted to go straight into fashion. But all that Teen Vogue was looking for at the time was an entertainment assistant entertainment editor. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go take this job for six months and I'm going to get my foot in the door. Turns out I was there for six months and six months later, the fashion editor needed an assistant. So I was able to move from entertainment to fashion. And then once my year there was over, my boss's best friend who was over at Hermes and PR needed an assistant. I said yes to all of these opportunities. I never said no. They were all things that were so dramatically different from each other. But I knew that if I had bopped around and tried everything at the end of it all, I would have found the thing that I loved the most. And it's interesting now because I look back on my career as an intern or as someone who is just starting out and my career is so specific to everything that I did. It's almost a culmination of all the things that I learned within that time. You know, it's a little bit of entertainment with the podcast and interviewing. It's fashion from the Teen Vogue closet. It's PR representing myself and getting myself out there at Hermes. I worked for Ryan Seacrest for a while writing and, you know, the entertainment journalism edge comes in there a little bit. So I think all experiences are good experiences. No matter what, you're not making a mistake. You will learn and grow from it. Even if it's like the worst internship you ever have for six months, you will learn what you need and leave. But I think you just have to be super flexible, super amenable, say yes to everything and put yourself in the experiences to grow. So then you actually can sit there at the end of the day and tally off what it is that you didn't like. I always say this. I think internships are more about figuring out what you don't like versus what you do like. It's kind of like a statue of yourself that you're chipping away all the bad parts and whatever's left at the end is the thing that you love the most. We'll be right back after a quick break. On this show, I feel like we often talk about career changes and how scary they truly are. But I recently learned about Sabio and it feels like an industry that's kind of a sure thing. Now is the time to get into coding and you can start to learn to code anywhere, anytime with Sabio. It's online and from the comfort of your own home. Sabio is a coding bootcamp and developer community that's been training successful software engineers since 2013. I highly recommend checking this out. There are so many different job opportunities for women in the tech industry right now, and we're so underrepresented. In just 17 weeks, Sabio teaches you the skills that you need to start a real high-paying tech job and helping you find a job as part of the program. I absolutely love that part because I know it can be so scary. This is one of the many reasons why they've been voted best coding bootcamp by Course Report five years in a row. Students will graduate from bootcamp at Sabio with real life experience and the confidence to succeed in the real world. Their alumni are working at some of the most innovative companies all over the world, like Google, Amazon, Microsoft, and so many more. The bootcamp is taught remotely, so you can start learning anytime, anywhere. 
And plus, Sabio is extremely affordable. They even offer a women in tech scholarship with $5,500 off the total cost of tuition. I really love this company. I love that they're owned and operated by women. They're committed to helping more women learn how to code. You can learn how to code with Sabio and it can take your career to the next level. Visit my special URL, sabio.la backslash friend, and learn how you can qualify for the $5,500 Women in Tech Scholarship. That's sabio.la slash friend. Don't wait. Go to sabio.la backslash friend today to learn more. Have you tried Aloe Moves yet? If so, then you are probably already hooked like I am. Aloe Moves is the streaming on-demand yoga, fitness, and mindfulness classes from the wildly popular brand Aloe Yoga, and it has been transformative for me in so many ways. Aloe Moves wants to get everyone to get started for free, and you can receive 30 days free so you can choose from thousands of classes and give it a try and get obsessed like the rest of us. I've been using Aloe Moves for the past two months, especially while I was traveling all through Europe. It was so important for me to have something that grounded me in my routine. I was able to wake up every day and do one of their walking meditations or try one of their classes. And I really love that Aloe Moves has always been inspired by a single goal, to empower people to live healthier, more fulfilled lives. And Aloe Moves has become my one-stop shop for everything wellness. You just need one app that has everything. You can try yoga from beginner to advanced practices, work up a sweat with bar Pilates, cardio or HIIT classes, mindfulness like soothing your busy mind with guided meditation or sound baths, or you can even do self-care from gua sha to dry brushing tutorials. It's all on the app and there are routines that you can fit into your schedule at any time. They have over 3,000 classes for every level and over 100 new classes every month, so you will always have fresh content and never get bored. The app is actually just voted Best Wellness App of 2022 by InStyle Magazine and called The Virtual Workout of Your Dreams by Glamour Mag. So join me. Just go to alomoves.com for 30 days free. And if you're loving it like I am and haven't signed up yet, Aloe has extended their 50% off an annual membership with code FRIEND. That's 50% off with code FRIEND. Go to alomoves.com and let's get started. See you there. Okay, potential podcasters, how did I get signed with Dear Media? I get asked this question so often. I actually think this is one of the most popular questions that I get. It's like, how to start a podcast, how to get signed, like what the first move is. Actually, somebody asked me this today about a podcast that they wanted to start. So I'll say my experience and then I'll give a little bit of advice. But for me, I had wanted to start a podcast in 2018. It took me about six months to get off the ground. And in May of 2019, I launched Friend of a Friend on my own. I was doing an episode a month because at the time I didn't have any support. So I had hired a freelance editor who was helping me edit every show that I was doing. And it was a massive learning curve for me because between graphics and guests and preparations and then editing, marketing and sales, getting ads on the show, it was so much work. I don't think I actually knew what I was getting myself into. So for the first six months, I was doing an episode a month on my own with this freelance editor. And the way I made money off of that, I actually went to a brand partner that I had and said, hey, I'm doing this many episodes. Here are the guests. Do you want to sponsor these? You'll be the title sponsor for the episode. There'll be no other person. And that was how the deal was structured. They'd pay me X amount of money for a few episodes. I do some social content for them. The end. However, I think that unless you're doing that seasonally, it's really hard to sustain that because you're constantly pitching for every episode. And now I'm obviously a weekly show. So pitching at that capacity would seem incredibly overwhelming for me. But after six months of doing the show, Dear Media approached me. It was a really kind of seamless thing because I loved them from afar. I loved what they were doing. I think at the time podcasting was still, I mean, in my mind, it's still very much the wild, wild west. But at that time, it really was the wild west. I mean, not that many shows were out there. So 
to see a female-led production company that was bringing on other women who were in the industry to support them and help grow their careers and help grow their shows. Obviously, for me, that was a complete win-win. And I, of course, wanted to work with them in any capacity. To be honest, I also really needed the help. I needed that structure. And to this day, it's something that I'm so grateful for to be able to have a team that's working with me on sales, production, editing, booking guests. I think if you're someone who works for yourself, the more people you can surround yourself with so that you at least feel like you have a team in everything that you're doing and you have a sounding board and it's not just you alone in your closet with your microphone and your thoughts, that has been so crucial to me. So how did I get signed to answer the question? They reached out to me after six months of the show. The show obviously had launched with really big success. We had so many great guests on at the time. And that obviously gave me a little bit of leverage. So I would say if you are someone that's looking to get signed and do a show, I would say that unless you're someone with a ton of followers who can go straight to a production company and be like, hey, this is my idea. This is my pitch. Let's build it together. I would create the show yourself, be consistent, have a point of view, build it to a point where you can go to a company like Dear Media and be like, hey, here's my proof of concept. I have an audience. I have a niche. I have a point of view so that you can go to them and have leverage that you've built yourself to. So Dear Media, I love you. Christiana, who's editing this podcast, I love you too. I think it's amazing to be able to have a support system and a team. I think in anything that we do, we can't do everything. We can't wear every hat. And I learned that the hard way actually with launching this podcast. I thought I could be the producer and the editor and the marketer and the sales rep and You just can't. At the end of the day, my profession, my skill is interviewing, making people feel comfortable, sharing stories. And I want to be able to focus on that and outsource the rest of it. So for anybody else that is listening, that that can relate to anything that you do, whether you're a YouTuber, content creator, podcaster, whatever it is, do what you're good at, outsource the rest. Ooh, spicy question. Tips on financial freedom. If you are dealing with that right now, there is one resource and one resource only who I love. I'd love to follow her. She came on the show. It's one of our best performing episodes. It's Rachel Rogers. She's Rachel Rogers on Instagram. I think she has an extra S at the end of her name. Go back and listen to that podcast episode because it was so widely shared by so many people. Just the advice that she gives about being young, saving your money, spending it in the right places, and investing in yourself was so crucial. We actually talked a ton about pitching in that episode too. She was actually a huge catalyst for me and understanding how to pitch myself more and more every day. So check out that episode because the advice that she has in there is invaluable. But for me, the most important thing that I've really learned is actually piggybacking off what I just said, investing in that person, finding that person who knows way more than I do about finance and tools and running a business and starting an LLC and paying my taxes. Even if you're just paying the $30 a year for a QuickBooks account and you have access to financial advisors on that platform, having someone that you can ask questions to and you're not just opening up your laptop one day and having to fill out your taxes and understand where your money's going and understanding how to save it, that has been the most invaluable resource for me. And I know that business and financial advisors can be quite expensive. So as I mentioned, use other resources, QuickBooks, maybe find a friend that's really good at finances and what can you do to offer them so you guys can like trade your time. But for me, that's a huge weak point for me. Understanding finance, banking, business, LLCs, the whole thing. Like it was literally gibberish for me when I just started. And if it wasn't for the people that I had reached out to that were so gracious to help me and kind of get me on my feet, 
I would have for sure been lost in the entire process. So again, I really think outsource as much as you possibly can and don't be afraid to ask for help. How to build your personal style. If you guys have been following friend of a friend for a while, you know that I love this question. I often talk about building your perfect wardrobe. It's something I'm very passionate about. And I actually did a solo episode about it a few months back. So I'll link it in the description so you guys can also like get into that deep dive. But I'm someone who cleans out my closet often. I would say I do it like once a month, not because I buy trends or anything like that, but because I like to keep my wardrobe concise and easy. There's nothing worse than like walking into your closet and seeing a thousand things in the closet and being like, I have nothing to wear. But I feel like that happens to us all the time. And it's because you have too much stuff and you're investing in the wrong things. So for me, cleaning out has been crucial to getting down to what it is that I really love to wear. If you're someone who is totally lost in your personal style and you want to start from scratch, my favorite thing to do is go to Aritzia or a store like that in your area and buy all the best basics, a new black pair of slacks, a great pair of jeans, a baby white tee, a black sweater, and build off of your basics. Because at any time of the day, you can walk into your closet if you need an outfit and put on a jean, a boot, and a white tee, and you look good. But from there, your personal style is going to shine in the way that you accessorize that and the way that you wear it. Is it a statement jacket? Is it a hat? A crazy earring? A beautiful bag? Is the boot maybe not just a black boot? And is it, you know, something a little bit more intricate? For me, that's where like my soul kind of sings and I get very excited about fashion. And I think also that's the most accessible and wearable way to do it. You know, I don't want to sit here and be like, oh, like you want to have the perfect wardrobe? Like go buy this Prada outfit. Like that's not realistic. And for me, comfort is key. I have to be comfortable. I just always want to be feeling really good and able to do anything with my day. So I think building that basics, that essential wardrobe has been something that's so crucial for me and I think is also the most relatable way to get your dream closet. Okay, let's get into these rapid fire questions. What piece should a New Yorker add to their wardrobe? Oof. I mean, like above all, I think having a cool sneaker that you feel really good about that's comfortable. Maybe you want it to be trendy. Maybe you just want comfort out of it. For me, I really built my sneaker closet when I was in New York because at the end of the day, like wearing a pair of sneakers in New York, your day will take you anywhere and you can get by with it. You know, you can go to a breakfast meeting and drinks at night and no one notices because in New York, like that's really what it's all about. You need to be comfortable to get around. And I think the best way to enjoy New York is to like give in to the spontaneity of it all. And if you're in heels or whatever it is and you're not comfortable, it's not going to happen. So find a pair of sneakers you love. Right now, I'm loving the Loewe ones that are on my Teresa. They're like an olive pair. They're a little bit pricey, obviously. But I mean, I love those. I love a New Balance. I'm constantly in my New Balances. I have a gray pair that I love that are just kind of my go-to shoe. And if you're someone who just wants something classic, get like an Adidas Samba or get a Nike Air Force One. Those are classics. They'll last you a really long time and you'll always look really put together, I think, when you have those. Favorite places in LA? I mean, let's like stick with restaurants because, you know, all I do is eat. But (laughs) I would say that I love Marvin. I am always at Marvin. I'm probably there once a week. I think the vibes are really nice. It kind of reminds me of New York. You get to sit outside and really just enjoy the city. There's always someone there that I know, which is fun. And I think also like, obviously the food is amazing. The bolognese is a must. It's that place where like, if I have a friend in town, I'm taking them there. It's a place like if all my friends are going to a concert, like we did last weekend, we're all going to dinner at Marvin before, and then we're going out. It's just kind of become my hub. Really good food, good vibes, and I think that's all you need. Favorite fall accessory trends you're excited to wear? 
who I would say something that I'm seeing a lot of right now are like these big jewels, anything that's like embellished. And I'm not, I'm talking about like body embellishments. I think we just saw that with Balenciaga. People's faces were like absolutely covered in like studs. And obviously that was a a beauty statement. But I'm also seeing that in like earrings. I'm seeing these like gorgeous, massive earrings. And a lot of them are only one-sided, which I really like. I'm seeing a lot of bangles. I'm seeing like people with a ton of rings on. We obviously are just coming off of this like anklet summer trend. So I think like the bigger the jewels, the better at this point. I'm also seeing a lot of belts. I know that sounds super random, but like even the Fendi collection, all the bustiers were belted in a really beautiful way. Ferragamo just came out with a ton of really gorgeous belts. The Loewe belt I see all over my Instagram. I think people are kind of taking that one little moment that feels very pedestrian. Like I get my belts from Amazon, (laughs) but like I think people are taking that one kind of styling moment and upping it a notch. It's not, we're not seeing these like big belts like we used to, maybe like a big statement Hermes belt. I'm seeing things a little bit more dainty, a little bit more, more part of, more as like a part of the outfit versus like a coat with a massive belt that's cinching it in. So stock up on your belts. Also, I brought up Adidas Sambas two seconds ago because they are very back out of nowhere. I feel like I see everybody back in their black Adidas Sambas. I feel like we moved past the Nike Dunks trend and straight into Sambas. So if you have them from the past, thank God you didn't let them go. And if you don't, you're going to have to invest in a new pair. I have talked about Dew on the podcast a thousand times, but I'm going to talk about it again because it is maybe my favorite beauty product of 2022. It is a moisturizer that is like so user-friendly. There's no scent. It feels like butter going on your skin. It's so light. I'm someone with a little bit more of an oilier skin. So finding a moisturizer that doesn't make me oilier throughout the day or make me feel heavy has been tough. I can't go anywhere without this. Like halfway through my trip, I was missing some. And like I made my boyfriend send some to like where I was because I like couldn't go on without it. So it's amazing. I think it's good for all skin types. I have it on subscription. So you can do that on their website. This is my go-to moisturizer, and I don't think I'm going to switch off of it for a very long time. I also love that the packaging is recyclable, and it comes with this little, it's in like an aluminum can tube, and it comes with this little like knob that you can roll the tube up so you're not missing any of what's inside. I just think that's genius. It's so much fun. It's so true to them. Again, I think a really smart marketing moment for their product. I'm just such a big fan. I think I've talked about Dew on this podcast and many other podcasts so many times. I'm such a super fan. Try it out. I also recently discovered these pimple patches from a brand called Rail, R-A-E-L. They sell a ton of women's products, especially around menstruation and skin and acne. And I love their pimple patches. The overnight ones have been a lifesaver for me. When I'm traveling, I cannot leave the house if they're not in my bag. Like if I feel something coming up on my skin, putting one on there, the next day it's gone. So those are new go-tos in my purse 24-7. But other face stuff am I using right now? I've actually been really paired back with my skincare routine. I used to be that person who like had a 12-step routine. I was constantly switching things out. But since I've like been back in LA, I've really had to pare things down. It's very dry here. I can't put like a thousand things on my face. I use Face Seal, which is a dermatology center in LA. I use their cleanser and I use their hyaluronic acid. And then I use the Dew Moisturizer and that's really it. I've been really paired back. It feels really good. It doesn't feel stressful for me every morning and every night. I love a good self-care routine, but I felt like a 12-step routine was really invasive to my day. So try pairing it back. I love those products. They've been great for my skin. Where do I shop for clothes in LA? Ooh, I am like, I'm just a big vintage girl. Like I, I love to be able to go into a store and know that like I'm giving something a second life. I also get so much stuff in my 
through my career that I think anytime that I can go and like shop sustainably, I, I really prefer to do that. Whenever I'm in LA, I would say I go to three places. The Real Real on Melrose and La Cienega. They have such a great selection there. I also love that you can go on the site and see what's available in the store there. I always find something good from the Real Real, whether it's something new that someone didn't want it and they're reselling it or like a vintage incredible find. I love shopping there. And then I also really love Scout, which is also on Melrose, another great vintage store. They have a little bit more of like unique pieces, like a really cool Issy Miyake or a Comme des Garçons piece. I've always gone there and like left with one thing that I find to be amazing. They're always kind of switching out the inventory. So it's a great place to go if you're looking for something really specific and you're someone who likes to shop often because they're always switching things out. And lastly, if you're looking for something for an occasion, Aralda Vintage is number one, the absolute best. All of the clothing that you saw in Euphoria was from there. And so many people who you're seeing probably on the red carpet these days are loaning outfits from Aralda. So good. We're talking like vintage Chanel, Gucci, everything. Obviously a heftier price ticket, but if you're looking for something that you're going to have forever, definitely hit up Aralda. What are some of your favorite new habits? It's so interesting that I'm being asked this right now because I'm someone that like when I take on a habit, I like to do it forever. It's not, I'm not someone who's like introducing new things often, but I actually did just introduce a ton of new habits into my routine that I'm really enjoying and they're really, really meshing with my flow right now. And so I'm excited about them. One of them is a new kind of vitamin habit that I'm doing every morning. I just discovered seed. I know I'm late to the game, but I really like the way that it's making me feel. I love the packaging. I love that it comes with a to-go container as well. So if I'm traveling, I can take that with me. And I love that they don't necessarily need to be refrigerated. As someone who travels, it's really hard for me to keep my probiotic refrigerated. So love that. It's made it way easier for me. And I feel really good on it. So loving seed. I'm also a huge ritual fan. I've been taking Ritual for a little over a year now, and it's made a huge difference. They are very proud partners of the podcast. I absolutely love them. I will leave the promo code for Ritual in the description of this podcast because you get a nice deal from them. But I've been taking those every morning, which I also love. I've been feeling really good about that. I was low on vitamin D, so you know, using those has been a real, real game changer for me. And I think just having even that in the morning, kind of waking up, making my coffee, having that ritual of my vitamins, feeling really good about my body in the morning kind of has made me feel like I'm taking control of my morning back. Whatever it is that you're doing, you know, whether it's waking up in the morning and making breakfast in a cup of tea or going for a walk, I'm such a morning person and such a proponent of a morning routine. I think starting your day the way that you want to and in your control is so crucial to the success of your day. For me, if I have a bad morning, I'm having a bad day. So building off these little habits and routines in the morning that just amplify my day and make it better are so crucial for me. So I hope that you guys are able to do the same thing. I also have recently switched up the way that I write my to-do lists. And I know this sounds very silly, but for a long time, I couldn't have like a written journal because I'm a little, not OCD, but I'm very particular about the way that I write things out and and the way that things look. That's the creative brain in me. So I had a really hard time with like, oh, if I you know, scribbled off the ends or like I had more to do's than I left lines for or, you know, things were looking really messy or I needed to jot down a note and it was like at a random part in the page, I would have a really hard time writing things down in a journal and keeping a journal. So I used to have a to-do list that was digital, you know, like in my sticky notes in my computer. But I really want to recently like challenge myself into the practice of just like letting go of everything looking perfect. So I got myself a journal and I started writing my to-do list in it. And I would just start writing random ideas that are coming to me. And sure, they're on different pages and stuff like that. And 
there are some days where it's driving me a little bit crazy, but having this like process and this challenge of like putting my mind in a place that it's not comfortable and like writing and challenging myself to not look at something that always might feel perfect and like in my control has been a really nice practice for me. So I'm getting back into journaling, writing my notes out, being okay with it, not looking perfect because nothing ever really is. And I think getting my thoughts out on paper and not just like through my thumbs on my phone, like actually writing them out has been really helpful organizationally for my brain. And just that documentation process, like getting the thought out of my brain through my hand onto paper has been a really different therapeutic process for me versus getting it onto my phone. So if you are someone who does a phone to-do list, great, cool. But I challenge you to like switch things up, vice versa all the time, because it's just a really good mental practice. And lastly, love this question, especially coming off of fashion month where we've seen like the best looks of all time. Who is my favorite celebrity stylist pairing? Okay, first, I love Rebecca Corbin Murray. She is the stylist for Florence Pugh, Simone Ashley, Lily James. These are all people who I feel like I am seeing constantly at the top of like fashion zeitgeist, fashion conversation. They're trending on Twitter the second they walk out the door. Their red carpet outfits are always on the best dress list. I'm always kind of seeing them at the forefront of amazing fashion. I personally love what Florence Pugh is doing with fashion right now. It feels really fun. It doesn't feel like this really buttoned up, tight aesthetic where she feels like she has to fit in with the fashion industry. It just feels really free and really fun, which I I would assume is true to her personality. But so I love what her and Rebecca are doing. I think it's really great. I also really loved what she did with Simone Ashley during the Bridgerton tour. She was wearing something gorgeous every day. It was like a full Valentino look. She had like a beret on one day. It just was really different and fun and wasn't what I would expect to see from like a newcomer who like wants to make a splash in fashion. She really took a lot of fashion risks. And I think with these actresses who are like new to the scene, making a major splash in the industry, about to cement themselves probably as faces of some of these brands, that Rebecca's doing an amazing job with like kind of pushing the boundaries of that a little bit. So Rebecca Corbin Murray, follow her on Instagram. Lots of fun stuff. And I'm just like just the biggest stan of Jared Elner. He's an LA-based stylist. He styles Emma Chamberlain and so many other people. He's just such an amazing follow. I love his style. I love his aesthetic. I love his designs as well. I think he's just such a cool person. And what he does with Emma for me has always been like jaw-dropping. It is so refined. It is so chic. But it's also like down to earth and grounded. And I think who Emma is as a person, it doesn't feel uncomfortable. It doesn't feel not her. It always just feels like A plus perfect tailoring, perfect work. So Jared Elner on Instagram, just a huge fan of his, loving everything that he's doing with Emma. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. This is so much fun. I love answering these questions. Again, if I didn't get to your question, it will either roll over to the next one or feel free to DM me and let me know the question. I'm happy to happy to touch base with you one-on-one. So I hope you guys love this episode. If you haven't followed the show yet, find us wherever you listen to your podcasts and make sure you follow us, rate, and leave a review. Thank you for tuning in. Have an amazing week ahead, everyone, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Vs. See you next week. 
Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.